Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. We have another author interview happening today. Yay! Uh, so let me just start us off by giving you a nice introduction to Jenna Hermans. She is living proof that you can create a life of calm within chaos and overwhelm. See, you're already interested in this interview, aren't you? <laughs> she uses her bachelor degree in psychology, a master's degree in organizational management, and over 15 years of human resource experience to build strong teams, both at work and at home. She is the co-founder of Be Courageous. She is a busy mom of four, a high-performance coach, and the author of Chaos to Calm, Five Ways Busy Parents Can Break Free from Overwhelm. Jenna takes an intentional and inclusive approach to help individuals and teams implement tools that put organization and systems around their busy lives that infuse calm and more joy and help them go from chaos to calm. Welcome to the podcast just in time, Jenna. Yay, thank you so much, Allison. I'm so happy to be here. There's so many people right now that are, you know, trying to get 2024 kicked off onto the <laughs> onto the right foot. I I know this is going to be meaningful for so many people. Um, 
you know, when I looked at your bio and meeting you for the first time, you know, I just need to know in my, because a lot of the people that are listening to the podcast have training in Adlerian psychology. And one of our big tenets is about birth order. And I know you've got a degree in psychology. I don't know if you ever had classes in that or know anything about Adler, but you know, when I hear somebody who's got organization and structure i'm guessing your your birth order position in your family and i could be wrong it's like a parlor trick so i'm just very curious to know what's your birth order in your family of origin yeah so i am the oldest slash and only child uh in that my parents split when i was two years old so i'm the only child between them and i have three younger siblings that are between my father and his wife and then my mother and her husband. And and were they, when you were growing up, were they around? You know, the, the first kid came in when I was nine, the second okay. when I was 12, and then the third when I was 16. Yeah. So it was a pretty good gap. In Adlerian psychology, we say that people that re- like eldest and only really like structure and really like um, things to be linear and organization and rules and be rule abiding. And so you, now, now just to disclose to you, so I'm the baby in my family. And babies tend to be kind of like freedom seekers. We can never really make too many mistakes because there's always somebody around to pick you up if you fall down. And we don't like structure. We don't like organization. So I am your chaos, even though I've made it to 60. (laughs) I've made it to 60. I have a career. I have books. I do international travel. People wonder how the hell I make it through a day. How do I do it? But I am chaotic. And uh, and I have made zen with that. Um, But I I am your target market right here. I'm just telling you I'm, I'm <laughs> I know I know what we're going to talk about is going to help me um that's so great so what what set you off about writing this book though what what was going what were you observing in terms of the overwhelming families and are you seeing that more or are you seeing that specifically around certain issues or what's going on that inspired the book and and where's the chaos coming from sure so you know the the first thing that kind of tipped me off to write this book was that I went through my own personal chaotic story. Uh, And that goes to um, around 20, what year was it? 2014 was when it began. When uh, my husband and I got married, I became an instant mother of three young people. And they, when I met them- Instant meaning he he had kids from a previous marriage? Exactly. He went from no kids to having three. Yes. A big leap. Big leap. Okay. Big leap. Yeah. 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 So going from being very single to having a husband with three children, and then we moved from Southern California, where I have big community, family, friends, to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, where we knew nobody. And so making this, all of these huge shifts all at once, and then we added a fourth child to our family. So someone we made together and then started our own business, Be Courageous. And so in this swirl of all of this change, there, it became too much. It became too much. And it, the life was for me incredibly chaotic and I didn't have a handle on anything. And I thought that this was unique to me having become again, an instant mother overnight to three kids and, and the move and having few resources and support, but having so much responsibility with the four kids and the business and the traveling husband on top of it. And I, I, I was having debilitating constant panic attacks and anxiety attacks on the regular. And there was one day I woke up 
thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't have to just barely survive this life that I have chosen and created and am now in. I can thrive in this and I have all the tools that I need. As you mentioned, I have these degrees, right? I've run businesses. I used to have a preschool for five years on top of it, on top of the organizational management history and HR and operations. I can so make this life run so much more smoothly with some intentionality and work around it. And so for about 18 months, I was doing that. I was bringing operations into our home, treating our home like a small business because that's kind of what it is, right? And our family unit, like a team, how can we all work together to support each other at our appropriate, of course, developmental level, right? Their children, but we can support each other. So intentionally making these shifts and changes, not only to our home, but also inside of myself, what can I do internally, the things that I can control to support my nervous system and make sure that I can show up as a better partner, as a better parent, as a better colleague in all of these areas. So anyway, flash forward to the end of that 18 month period and our youngest is starting preschool. And for many parents, you know, when you start preschool for the first time, you're meeting all these other new parents for the first time as well. And everyone wants to get to know each other because you figure, oh, you might be on the same kind of track for the next however many years as your kids go from preschool to elementary school, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm meeting all these new parents and we're all exchanging our stories with each other. And I'm hearing from them that they're having the same troubles and and feelings of stress and overwhelm and chaos that I had been as well. And they had fewer responsibilities, more resources, more natural evolution of becoming parents. But again, having the same, the same fundamental stressors and not having had that intentionality around, I, I want this to be different. And that was a huge aha for me on, wow, so it, this isn't unique to me. This isn't unique as a stepmother, as a business owner, as a biological mother, like all the things that I had gone through. This is systemic on a very deep level of our society. And I got asked actually by some of these parents, what did you do? How are you navigating all of this? And because you have, again, fewer res- resources with no family and friends around to support us and more responsibility with the traveling husband and the four kids and all the things. And I started sharing with them, oh, here's the things that I did. And they go, oh my gosh, you need to write that down and you need to make a book. I'd write that book. So that was the genesis of, of thoughts around where this book came from. Amazing. You know, it, so I see it in my practice too, um, with, with overwhelmed parents and, Um, I think it's maybe the nature of counseling that people tend to reach out for help only when they're in crisis. And so they don't, it's, we're not a very proactive society. Um, We often wait until things were in the weeds and it's just too much and we keep the stuff to ourselves. And so I just really want to thank you for like being frank and honest about what your personal journey was and how truly difficult you know, parenting is, and it's sloppier and harder and more work than, than a lot of us want to talk about, you know, we still kind of want to look like we're doing okay. And if we could get ahead of the ball, maybe we wouldn't get into the weeds so badly. Um, But having some structure around it, some way to get out when we're, we're already in so deep and, uh, uh, and, and trying to stay inspirational and aspirational when there's so much to do when you've already kind of hit 
the overwhelm period, right? Like it's, it's a different starting point. You must see that in your business too, where people are reaching out because it's unbearable, not because they want to prevent it. Mm -hmm. And that's typically, like you're saying, people reach out when they're at the tipping point, when they're saying, this is, this has gone too far. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. It's not a preventative measure. Although I do have a program called Own Your Calm in the fourth trimester. And I, and I explicitly say like, you know, the time that's about to come, right? You're pregnant, you know, for the participants, you're pregnant. Things are going to change very, very soon. And you have an opportunity right now to be able to get ahead of some of the stress and chaos as much as possible. You don't know what you don't know, but what you can do is manage and, and get some tools and tactics, both tangibly, as well as mindset wise, right? Some thinking around it that you can do and, and supportive thought processing and questioning that can help support you as you navigate into this new space. Because if you can get some of this under control before the chaos begins, it is so incredibly helpful for the long run, right? To prevent so much of this preventable chaos that we ensue as parents, right? Because, because of the society that we live in, because of the cultural norms, we often forget we have choice. We often forget that we have the ability to do it differently, not just the way that society pushes these messages of what we see in the news and social media, even in our direct communities of what you should be doing, right? Which isn't necessarily what you should be doing for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, conf conforming to what I think is almost like a toxic culture of parenting right now in terms of the pressures, the, the, um, uh, over expectation, the over responsibility, like it's, it's not a healthy situation out there. If you fall, if the, if the norm is not healthy, we don't want to get on that bandwagon, but it's just like a treadmill. You step on and suddenly momentum kicks in and you follow the tribe. And then you're like a bunch of lemmings jumping off a cliff. And so it takes a, a special person to say, I'm not going to go down that path. And, um, and we need more people sending the message and that's okay. You don't have to, you're not failing if you don't do the toxic norm, you know? And, um, uh, so, so you've given uh, you've got a five-step process. I'm so curious. And again, I'm not, we're not going to do an audio book. People can go buy the book. People can <laughs> We're not giving it all away, people. Um, but I would really be interested in how you kind of structured it. Because five, even five steps, actually, already, I already feel calm. Already, I feel like I can do five things. I can do five steps. Jesus, right? If it was 27 steps, I might go like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> five seems very doable. So kick us off into the structure and how you pick the first one to get people going. Absolutely. So the way that this works is that there are these five concepts, right? And when approached with the filter of calm, right? What serves me and what doesn't serve my nervous system and my stress and my overwhelm, what, what, what will detract from this area, but add to the other, uh, when having that filter on is really helpful for these concepts. So the first concept is efficiency, right? We have so much that we have to do constantly all the time, right? As parents, as busy people in this world, you know, that we have this productivity complex. 
and that's a whole nother topic that I'm sure right. we could go put that in a toxic toxic bucket for another yeah no that's okay right. we're coming back we're going to talk about that on the next podcast with you <laughs> I call myself a, a, product, a recovering productivity addict so that's um and I have a whole blog around that one but going back to efficiency the the idea that we have so much to do but how do we navigate our tasks and our responsibilities in a way that we can use our time and our energy naturally to accomplish what we need to do with as little energy as possible, right? So it's, it's being self-aware, right? Having the awareness of when is the right time of day for me personally to do the thing that's a heavy lift, a big, heavy, you know, that's very mind heavy, or very active, activity heavy, right? Finding what is the right time for that and based on my energy levels throughout the day and how do I maximize my time and my energy based on what I have to do as well, right? So there's the low lift things like folding the laundry, right? I'm not gonna use my ideal working time, my 11 o'clock perfect hour that is like when my brain is fresh, or not fresh because I've had a whole day already, right? I'm a parent. So it's been, it was like three days already come 11 a.m. But that's when my mind personally is really activating and on fire. I'm not going to squander that with folding laundry and washing the dishes. I, lo- somebody- I love that you're, that you're really emphasizing the personal uniqueness of that, right? Because for some people, going for their morning run is like the most energizing, you know, shoot me if I can't get out for my morning run, I'll be a bear for the rest of the day. And other people are like, that is the worst thing that I never want to do that I have to push myself. Like, I love cooking dinner. Other people, that's the bane of their existence. And like, what is one per like writing? Some people love to write. It flows. When can I get time to write? And for me, it's like pulling teeth and going to the dental chair. So like, you really have to make this personalized for each person. You cannot prescribe what somebody's energy level and task is going to be. That's, that's a self-awareness exercise right there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so by getting that clarity around your personal, right, flows, you can use that to reduce the amount of extra effort that you're putting into the tasks that you know that you have to do, right? And then you make more space and time and energy for the things that you want to be doing, not just what you have to do. Yeah. Um, and so doing that, so that first chapter is about that, that lens, that paying attention, that awareness, that self-reflection, kind of doing the inventory and thinking about that as an efficiency scale. There are definitely a lot more, uh, topics under the concept of efficiency. Oh, I, oh my God, I bet. Oh, I mean, that's like a whole, for so sure. Many. Yeah, for, so for sure. <laughs> I mean, being that there are five chapters of the book and it's a pretty meaty book, there are a lot of concepts that are underneath each chapter, right? So efficiency, when I talk about task management, that is just one tiny element of efficiency amongst a sea of others that are incredibly helpful for navigating the things that you have to do. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and number two, number two is habits, right? What are the habits that support your calm and those that don't, right? And really getting clear about that. And how do you create a habit? How do you get rid of a habit. These are all listed out within the book to make it very easy and very clear 
right? What serves you, what doesn't, and how can you make adjustments to support your calm using your habits, right? To, to help you get there. It is, it, it is so incredibly important to make the things that help you feel good habitual, right? And how do you, but how do you do that? And that's where a lot of people struggle. And being that it's the beginning of February, I, I imagine that majority of people right now, if you look at the research, have already forgotten their New Year's resolutions, right? Yeah. New Year's resolutions is a huge, it's, it's a huge opportunity, right? I hate the word resolutions. I've never even used that word. I use the word intentions, right? As what do I intend to do for this year ahead? Right. And then creating the infrastructure to support it, which is what a lot of people miss. That's a huge step that is lost along the way of trying to build a habit. Hmm, let me think about this. You know, let's say we're going to use the example of I am going to go to the gym every day. I resolve, right? My New Year's resolution is I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Well, okay. So great. You've made this huge proclamation. How are you going to create the system to support that, right? Okay, I'm going to join the gym. Great. When's the right time to go? What are you doing before and after to support making that habit enjoyable, making it something that's easy to do, that you have all, everything you need so that at the end, let's say you're going to go to the gym at the end of the day, that you have all of your stuff ready. Is that the right time actually to go for you? And what are you going to do after that you feel like, oh, I feel so accomplished right now. I'm going to go again tomorrow. Anyway, this, these are tiny little bits and pieces, but it is so important to, when creating that proclamation, resolution, intention, that the creating of the context that supports it, right? Otherwise, you're, the, the resolution fails. I think about how many people beat themselves up because they failed their resolution and they don't realize that they're up against the structure of the brain and how psychology works and how habits work. And we have so much research on habits and, you know, habituation of behaviors that allows us to make something automated so that it doesn't take energy to your point. And there's all kinds of science around how to how to utilize your brain if you know it, if you know why it likes habits, if you know why they do or don't fail and, and, and how to get it set up and use it as your as your tool and make it your master, as opposed to just going like, I tried, and I didn't go to the gym. I'm a terrible bear. I didn't like lost weight again. And I just think about how much pain and suffering happens from people thinking that it's like some characterological flaw when in fact it's like. No, we know a lot about the brain and how habits need to be established. We know a lot about the brain and how you can break it, break bad habits and set up the ones that you want, like follow, follow the knowledge train. And it actually is going to lead to results. And, um, you know, the, the average person who isn't in our, our line of work with psychology and God, you with the overlay of efficiency and organization, my God, um, they're going to miss the boat and really beat themselves up and, and miss an opportunity, um, so that's very liberating to know it's it, there is a science, there's a system. I just need to get on the gravy train. It's not me. Yeah, exactly. And the psychology behind it, it is so easily like accessible, yeah. right? It's so available. There are so many books out there. And my chapter alone is just one thing, but there are billions of resources available to help understand 
what makes the habit work and why it fails. And this goes from everything to, I, I want to read, I want to read more, right? Or I, and to make a habit, if I read every day or I meditate or whatever it is, that it is so easy to get that information. Implementing it is not always easy, right? It's simple, but not easy. And that's, I think, a big differentiation when it comes to all things chaos or all things transition, right? When you're trying to move from this to that, it can look really simple. And most of it is. Most of it's incredibly simple, but it's not easy. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It takes repetition. And the repetition of putting forth that effort up front makes for long-term gains, so nothing I'm saying is like, this comes easy. And if it doesn't, then, you know, there's something wrong with you. It is hard work. It's simple on paper, but it is hard work, but it pays off in the long run. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I, I know when I'm working with parents and, and um, uh, that when they, if they present an overwhelm and they'll start talking about a typical day, right? And then they, I can't get them out the door in the morning and then everyone screams at the dinner table and then at bedtime is chaos and no one wants to get in the bathtub and blah, blah, blah. And they just, blah, they're just dumping all the chaos of their life. And I feel for them. I, I absolutely feel for them. You know, but I, I do say we're going to eat this elephant one bite at a time. Like we got to make it manageable and fine. And I usually start with the thing that they're least invested in. Um, meaning like if getting out the door means you're going to be late for a corporate meeting, that's probably one that you're too invested in it. You know what I mean? Like something where the out, the, the outcome, the messiness you can tolerate. We start like with something that could be okay and just try to get them a win and get the habit going and get the pattern going and get the strategies going. Is, is that, is, is that echoed in, in that chapter or maybe we still have three more to go, but like, it just sounded like that was sort of like repetitive, you know, keeping it clean, keeping it tight, keeping it concise and sticking with it and persistence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that I get asked frequently is where do I begin? Right. I'm so overwhelmed. It's too much. I don't have, I actually don't have energy to change anything because that takes effort. Right. And so what I say is to start with the basics, right? Go back to the basics. Are you doing the core fundamentals of humaning even? Right. And that's, 
in the fifth chapter of self-care. And so I have what I call the brilliant basics of self-care. So we'll skip around a little bit in order because there is no actual order. It's all, it's all oh, okay. of equal importance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. It, it, they're all incredible concepts. And so the, the self-care concept, right. And if we go to the basics, which is just one element of the concept of self-care is I have an acronym for it actually. Uh, and it's sure, cheer. Sure. It's called cheer, C-H-E-E-R. And so to make it easier to remember. And the thing is all of these things in cheer are all things that we make sure our children do and have, but we forget to do them for ourselves. Again, simple, but not easy. So the first one is connection. Connection with other human beings, connection with more than just our to-do list and our labels and our responsibilities, right? The thing that makes you smile, the thing that makes you feel like you're in a flow. You know, we do this with our kids that they have play dates and they go and they are in teams, you know, of sports or that they have downtime to just play and just be with themselves and enjoy their time. Not always go, 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 do, 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 right? So having that connection to self is, I mean, core fundamental piece of humaning. Right. And that's pretty esoteric. It's kind of a big one compared to all the rest. And I think one of the most, I mean, these are all important. I was about to say one of the most important, but they're all five. Cluster. (laughs) It's a cluster of importance. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, The H and the first E are, are connected. It's hydration and eating, right? That you're nourishing yourself, making sure that you are hydrating and giving yourself that nourishment on a core fundamental level right? That we make sure our kids have their water bottles. I mean, the Nalgene's and the Hydro Flasks and everyone's got clean canteens and now the Stanley's, right? That we make sure our kids have these water bottles and take them everywhere they go. I remember as a kid, I never had a water bottle. It was probably parched my entire childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but as we've learned, it is so important to stay hydrated, right? As we know that what is it, over 65% of our bodies are made of water. And just like a plant, you don't water, it starts to shrivel and die. So do our cells. How can we possibly function at our highest levels if we're shriveled up? All of our cells are just seeking, seeking, oh my God, give me water, give me water, water me, right? So, and the same goes for our food, that to nourish ourselves, to give ourselves energy, because that's what food is. It's energy. And, it, and, and it's the, I mean, in a lot of cultures, it's also love, right? That feeding yourself is giving yourself love and feeding your family is giving love. That's all we can, that's a whole nother topic, but so H and E hydration and eating. So it's nourishing your body in that way. Uh, The second E is exercise movement, right? Again, we do this for our kids. We make sure that they have opportunities to move. They get the wiggles, right? If they don't, they're bouncing off the walls. We're like, go outside, go run, go jump on a trampoline, go play, get out. They just need to go. They need moments during the day to move their bodies. And at a certain point, we We sit in the bleachers while they go do cheer. We sit in the bleachers while they do hockey. We sit in the bleachers while they do gymnastics. (laughs) We watch them go be active. (laughs) And we forget that that this is a core need of of human existence is to move our bodies and it's actually it's our medicine 
right? When you, it is natural serotonin and dopamine releases, when you move your body, you're getting things moving and grooving. The brain goes, yay, you're moving all the happy hormones, right? And so that it is a natural medicine for ourselves. So to, as a preventative measure for isolation, for feelings of anxiety, depression, very acute, of course, on a very low level, not on a clinical level, but that movement and feeding yourself and connection, all of these are directly related to our mental health as well as our physical health and longevity, right? So that's that one. The last one, the R, rest, rest. I, I was going because I was going, she doesn't have S for sleep yet. She doesn't have S for sleep yeah. yet. There we go. Okay. R, R, there good. it is. Because <laughs> sleep is, is one part of that. And it's one of the, I mean, that is an incredibly important part of it, right? That we get consistent sleep. We give our kids bedtimes. We know if they, if they haven't had enough sleep, they are cranky the next day. And what do we say? All the, if they, if they're acting up, we're like, oh, it's because they're tired. You know, oh, they're so tired. That's why they're acting this way. We are exactly the same. We just also have a fully functioning prefrontal cortex of executive functioning. So we know how to filter our whininess and our, our exhaustion. We know how to, you know, mask it better because we have executive functioning, unlike our children. But it doesn't mean that we need sleep any less than they do, right? Sleep is when we take out the trash, right? Our bodies, our minds take out the trash so it has the time to recover. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir right now. I know you know this, but there's also so the concept of rest, right? It's not just about sleep. That is a big part of it. There's also recovery and rest throughout the day, right? And also cyclically. If we think about as women, we are, and men, of course, too, but women more overtly, we are cyclical humans. And so on a monthly basis, Additionally, on an annual basis, right? As, as us human beings, we have annual cycles. Being that it's the beginning of February, I'm just coming out of my winter hibernation. I, as I know so many others do, right? Come middle of December, it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to crawl into a cave and do as little as possible. And so I've started doing intentional less during the winter time, which is I'm just doing what I have to do. And nothing more. This is not a time to start coming up with new programs and, you know, lots of creation and creative problem solving. Let me do what I have to do. And when I emerge, I will have the energy. I will have the, the ability. I'll have the wherewithal, right? The mindset to be like, oh, naturally, naturally, I am so much better and more able to come up with and with all the things. Because I, I had a moment of rest. I, I love the, you know, so we're in Canada here. It's a very four season country. I'm very happy to live in a four season country and it is dark and we are in the throes and there's a lot of people with seasonal affective disorder and it's dark and it's long. Um, and to be able to reframe that is wintering and like cocooning and you know um this is this is the time to turn inwards and just like every other plant in the natural rhythm of life that in the spring will blossom and that it's a time for rejuvenation and not to see it as lazy not to see it as i could have been more productive or like just really getting behind that it's actually a really good time to rest and mm -hmm. um um you know, I, I, I like that annual cyclical thing. And it's just really about, again, 
giving parents permission to do this damn stuff. Like you said, simple's not easy. They, they, we tell them, but they still just feel like, oh, I couldn't possibly take time out of my schedule to exercise. I couldn't possibly do, you know, read a book when I should be, you know, bettering my children with their tutorials or whatever. And it's just really giving them permission. Like you've got two experts talking to you here, people on the podcast. We're, we're saying this is more important. This is more important. I don't know how many experts you need to hear this from. I don't know anyone who is in counter to what we're saying. There is no one saying, oh my God, no, we should sleep less. We should, people should eat shitty and, you know, get very little sleep and do everything for their children. Like I, there's no, there's nobody with credentials that is saying that. So please parents, we're giving you permission. This is step down. It's okay. It's, it's okay. And I think another, you know, framing that I like to share with my clients is that by, by doing this for yourself, right. By not making yourself a martyr, you're role modeling to your children, how they can be, right. How they should be as they navigate adulthood and parenthood too. What they see us do is how they're going to default as a parent in the future. So if they see us running around like chickens with our heads cut off, that's what they're going to think is normal. That's what the fabric and, and, of their parenthood is going to be that they will have to then fight against if they want to do it differently, right? That is going to be their default. So by giving ourselves permission to take care of ourselves, if anything, it's not selfish, right? It is giving permission to your children to do the same. You are giving giving a gift to your kids for their future adulthoods to say, hey, I'm going to take care of me so that I can best take care of you and we can all, and I can live my life while you're living yours. We're all going to support each other here, right? You're going to go to bed at your bedtime. I'm going to go to bed at my bedtime. Oh, you still wanted me to bake cookies or da da da. I'm sorry. I can't bake cookies for you tonight, but I'm happy to buy some in the morning, right? Whatever the, whatever it is, you don't have to sacrifice your health and your well being for anyone else because no one's going to then go around and say to you oh Allison I saw that you didn't sleep well last night let me do everything I can to make sure that you get good sleep tonight there are some partners that are really good at noticing that but overall no one's being like hey Allison did you floss did you brush your teeth did you make sure you hydrated today no the only person who can do that for you is you so by giving yourself the permission one you're then setting that example for your children but also you're going to live longer. You are going to like, please hear that, right? You will live longer, a longer life. Well, I think too about my parents, my in, in my own experience, about observing my parents and all the roles that they played as fully functioning adults. So I saw them be siblings to their siblings. I saw them be people that contributed to the community. They were on boards. They did volunteer work. You know, they they were, you know, off with friends doing, you know, supper clubs and like they had careers, both my parents. And and, 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 you know, and we were an important part of their life and I never felt unimportant, but it's not like my parents like stopped everything they were doing to like raise the children. I saw, I saw us as a part of their whole system. And so 
growing up, I understood that I had to be a community member and I get, I, I, you know, yes, I still get to raise kids and be in a choir and, you know, work at the church and start my business and go back to school and get a master's. And like, that was all modeled to me. Whereas a lot of parents just like the kids come first, they stop everything. And then they say like, when you're done, I hear this like, no, like when you're out of the house, like you're done, you're done. Like I've stopped my life for you. You're not going to be the turnstile boomerang kid that comes back. Like I've given you everything. I've stopped everything for you. And then it's just nothing but resentment where it's like, I hate to tell you, like most of them because of economic principles are coming back. But you know what? I, I was fine. Both my kids came back, but I, to your point about efficiency and energy, I was fine with that because I was still a well-grounded person that still went on and did my exercise and got my sleep and did whatever. And the kids worked themselves around it. You know, if you organize it around those principles, it's not all like I'm going to stop and die and wither for 18 years. And then <laughs> I'll pick up where I left off at, you know, in my fifties, good or forties, whatever, good God, you're yourself, your whole self, the whole way through while you're raising kids and they need to see that absolutely and again it's all that role modeling i mean because yeah. your parents had full lives in addition to being parents then you now as as a parent you continue to have a full life as you were raising your children and that means that your children are gonna end up doing the same Likely. and it's it's all it's a perpetual i mean that's the generational message which is beautiful right but a lot of parents don't do that because that hasn't been their messaging, right? Yeah. Until they say, Ooh, you know, I don't want to do it that way. I don't, I, this is too much for me, or I don't like this, this message. I don't like this norm. I'm going to do it different. But that is so hard when you've been, when you've been exposed to that same message your entire life, or maybe your community is in that same culture right? That they all do it that way. And so breaking that mold, right? And stepping away and saying, no, I'm going to do it different. You might end up in a very uncomfortable situation where you feel very isolated for a while. But ultimately, what's wonderful is that this is also really coming to the surface a lot more. People, parents are becoming so much more vocal about the need to be a whole comprehensive human and not just a parent, Right. This is this is really coming to the surface a lot in the past. I and mean, we know this better than anyone, Allison, in the past what decade or so or less, yes, maybe yeah. even of really of parents, of mothers especially, right? Coming to the surface saying, This is not okay the way that we're that we've been doing things and the messages that we've been receiving. We're gonna break the generational messaging and the generational trauma of how the way that things have been so that we can do it different and, and showcase that to our children so that they can be the first ones to move on and say, it's going to be different, right? And that goes back to the concept of this new term for parenting called gentle parenting, right? And it's, I mean, we can again go on a whole tangent about that one, but it, you know, putting this, this new term out there of gentle parenting, that it's breaking the molds around the authoritarian parenting styles right? Of do as I say, not as I do. And that you need to listen to me no matter what. And what you have to say doesn't matter as much as mine because I'm older and wiser and you're the kid, right? There's all of these different messages within that parenting style. And then there's these, you know, a lot of different new parenting styles that are coming up, but they're breaking molds 
of ways that things have been to try to make things better. At least that's the intention. (laughs) Right. And I, and I, I tell parents like, it's really hard when you're taking down an old regime and nobody's taught you what the new regime is. So, you know, we're all pilgrims. We're, you know, we're all, we're, we're all foraging our way into a new work, a new way of being without having a lot of those role models because it wasn't shown to us because we're, we're breaking free of, 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 you know, whatever the same with colonialism and dictatorships and the same in, in the family with, you know, tyrannical parents that want obedient children. And so we're learning for the first time how to have cooperative families and still do discipline, still do child guidance, still do all that. That's still our role, but in a new way. And what does that look like? And that hasn't been modeled to us. And there's, you know, there's a real thirst for knowledge, but it doesn't mean that we're not, not, not on the right path. It just means we still need to get like largely educated. And I think every generation will have a better, hopefully I modeled it better to my kids and my kids will model it better to their kids. And, you know, with time, the passage of time, it'll be the new norm. Um, so I think we're in a big time of turmoil for sure. I think parents are very, and again, feel very responsible, but feel very lost. And I think that to me, I think that's part of also where the overwhelm comes from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we covered three, we did the efficiency, the habits and the self-care. What are the other two? So the other two, the first one of the two is community. Right? How do we lean on our community or create a community, right? For many who don't have that, like I did when I moved up to the Bay Area, the, it was this realization that we didn't have any community here that I realized it is so important to have people around that one you can feel like yourself with, right? That it's it, for, for the self as a parent to feel like, oh, I have people who have my back around here, right? And then also because society, human beings are not meant to be these nuclear units and there's no one around. It's just, you know, this little group inside this home and you have everything you need here, right? And you hire all the other people around to, to support the family. We are, we are tribal creatures. For the majority of the human existence, we have lived in community style living, right? That my kids are your kids and your kids are my kids and we have open doors and everyone's helping each other out. So I mean, I'm not going to go too deep there. Anyway, the, the headline of community is how do you build one if you don't have it? How do you make sure you have the right people in your world to support you and your goals and your family, what you're trying to do in your life, right? Whether it be I'm a full-time parent and I'm just trying to survive the days, right? Or that you have that you work as well, or if you're a single parent or if you, you know, whatever kind of dynamic that you have, that you have the right people around you to support you and your family. And also taking stock of who are the people you spend the most time with or who are those and, and are they ones that are really supportive or are they toxic or energy leaching? Do they take so much from you and your time and your integrity or, or whatever it is, right? And filtering through who are the humans that really support me and those who don't and being able to have conversations or intentional decision-making around creating space or distance from those who do not serve your calm and intentionally bringing those close or nurturing those that do. 
I love, yeah. Thank you for giving people the, the empowering people to say, sometimes you got to throw out your Scrabble tiles and pull a new from new from the bag because, you know, we can be very strong and loyal or just like they're the people in the, in the, at the PTA and they go to the kid's school or whatever, but it isn't necessarily to your point, the people that are really feeding your calm. And it's hard to tell a grown woman to say, sometimes you got to break up with people. <laughs> sometimes you got to break up with friends I hate to say it sometimes you got to get new friends because that community isn't serving you and I, I love that you give that permission and so sorry what's the fourth one so the fourth one is communication it's at, it, it's about effective communication how do you communicate in a way right that you get the support that you need and that's through also it's not just a one-way street right that's a two-way street that includes listening as well so how do you build rapport and connect with others in a way that you feel heard and supported, that supports your calm, right? And then also that, it, that you have built these trusting relationships. And this is, in, and there are within the chapter of specific areas, like one, just with your partner, right? Just with, the, like how to communicate effectively with your kids, with your community members, with people outside of your home as well. And so it's really harnessing that concept of communication to increase your calm. Oh my gosh, I love it. And to your point, each of these chapters has so much more meat than we could possibly, possibly ever get to in the interview. So I really want to make sure that people go to the, the core source and, and get the book. But let me turn this back to you, Jenna, and say, is there something in this conversation that you want to make sure that our podcast listeners really took took away? We didn't cover something you want to make sure you close the loop on before we wrap up. And then I want to give you a moment to tell people where they can find more of you. Thank you, Allison. The, the one thing I'd want to say is that making, making change is hard, right? That trying to change a lot of things at once is a recipe for more overwhelm and stress. So to start, really small and to do one at a time, right? So like with the cheer, with the self-care brilliant basics, just work on going to bed at the same time every night, right? And starting small like that, that is one thing that you can do that can make impactful change. And once you feel like you've got that under control, add the next thing, right? It may be that you uh, get a new bottle of water and you carry that with you. And you're like, okay, that that's my one thing now for this month. I'm going to make sure that I get really good about drinking water. Right. And so starting that small or if exercise is your thing, all right, I'm going to do five jumping jacks. That's what I'm going to do. That's it. My commitment is five jumping jacks. You can't not do five jumping jacks. Maybe you don't do jumping jacks in general, but whatever your exercise is, right? But do five minutes of it. Read one page of the book. If reading is the habit that you're trying to create, make it so small that you can't not do it. It's embarrassing to say out loud, right? But just start with that because a 1% improvement will make that big impactful change for the future. And well, it's better than zero, right? There's no change when you haven't started at all. So just you have permission right now to make small individual change and that that will lead to the next one and then the next one, but don't do them before you're ready because then it's a recipe again for more stress and overwhelm and guilt as well. So anyway, I'm going to pause because I go down rabbit hole, but that starts small. 
Start small. And what a great thing for kids to watch, to watch their parents be learners, to, you know, to say, I haven't exercised. I want to start exercising today. My big challenge is I'm actually going to put on my pants. I didn't get out the door. I didn't get the running shoes on because they're eventually going to be in grade nine and they're going to procrastinate on some project. And you're going to go, I've been there. Did you see me with that exercise thing? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great bonding um, experience between parents and children that we're, we're all humans. You know, we, we all got to we all get overwhelmed. We all got to dig out of it the same way. Uh, it's very humanizing, I think. Um, so let me give you the floor and say, how do people find the, the, the Be Courageous, your website, the book? Like you've got so many other products and offerings, like take the stage here. Like uh, people are going to be fascinated with the conversation and want to know more about you and how to connect and all the other things that you've got going. Thank you. So my newsletter from my website from jennaherman.com is where you can learn about all things calm and upcoming events and programs. And I also just add little calm tidbits in there they're not long and they don't fill your inbox right it's every two weeks kind of at maximum that i send an email so that there is just calm delivered straight into your inbox there i'm also on instagram at jenna's the hermans um, be courageous is a transformation agency and we work with organizations infused encouraging calm into all different levels of the organization and the website there is the the rgs.com it's be courageous without any vowels <laughs> i'll put this in i'll put this in the show notes everyone so not to worry yep <laughs> wonderful and the book so, and the book of course chaos to calm can be um found anywhere books are sold i always say try to support local if you can if they if your local bookstore doesn't have the book right now let them know that you want it they'll order it for you and you can pick it up when it's ready otherwise it's everywhere um, at all the places. So it's just search chaos to calm and Jenna and you'll find it. Fantastic. Oh my goodness. Well, listen, you and I definitely have to set up another time to, to pick a topic and dig deep into it. Um, cause we, again, we could have gone in so many directions, but I really wanted to give people an opportunity to know what you had put in the content of the book. And, uh, hopefully people will pick up a copy and get deeper into the meat of it. And we'll have another opportunity to talk in the future. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for bringing calm to what is honestly very stressed parenting times, I think in our culture and any message that can get people to just take a breath and bring it down a notch is a big huge huge contribution to society in my opinion so thank you thank you thank you allison for having me till the next one as you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.